Hey guys, I'm Rain, and welcome to Web Chats, where we find the most interesting people on the internet and bring them on to hear their stories. Some of the topics we cover can be funny, interesting, maybe even a little weird, and we do get into some pretty heavy topics, things like substance abuse, suicide, sex abuse, domestic violence. So a quick trigger warning, if you're sensitive to any of those things, you're going to want to think about that before you proceed with any of our episodes, because sometimes it comes up a little bit unexpectedly. If you hear me giving advice to anybody on the show, it's just coming from my own personal experiences and it's coming from my heart, but I am not a trained professional. I've been through a lot in my life. I've seen a lot. I've known a lot of people, so I have a lot to pull from, but I am not a trained professional. The last thing before we get into the show is I want to share a few resources that may be useful for you or somebody you know. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. The National Child Abuse Hotline. 800-422-4453 and 24-hour drug and alcohol abuse support line, including an optional 24-hour admittance to rehab is 877-987-6071. Okay, now let's get into the show. Web chats connected. Hey everyone, welcome to Web Chats. Thank you for joining us again. We found another good one for you on the internet today. Uh, my conversation is with Carrie. Carrie's living in a polyamorous relationship with her husband and her boyfriend. If you're not familiar with this term polyamorous, uh, it's kind of similar to polygamy, polygyny. They all start with poly. Poly means many. And so polyamorous is a love shared consensually with many people. So if it's two people, it's monogamy. If it's more than two people, then it's polyamory. That's my understanding of it now after speaking with Carrie. Now, this is the way she's living, and I had so many questions I wanted to ask her about sex and about jealousy and about dating and just everything that has to do with that type of relationship. And she was really gracious, and she's sharing so much information with us. You're going to love it. Um, But she's also got another situation going on, which is her boyfriend has bipolar disorder. And there are times when he needs to back up and take some time to himself to decompress and whatever. And when he does that, she starts to freak out and spiral down and thinks it's all about her. And should I cut off communication? Is it all over? And she knew that wasn't healthy. So she turned to the polyamory Facebook group for some support. And this is what she said. Hey everyone, something has come up for me and I'm wondering if anyone else has experienced this. We are both poly and we're in a triad for a period of time. Around the same time as our triad, I fell hard for a coworker, but we couldn't do anything because he was my subordinate. Three plus years later and he and I never stopped talking with our bond growing deeper. Husband and I moved out of state three years ago and revisited in September where the flame and I reunited and I could no longer deny the strength of my feelings for him or him for me. We're falling in love, long distance, and it's been beautiful. Here's where my fuckery comes in. I loved but was not in love with our triad girl. We'll love her forever, but what I feel for this man is akin to the depth and breadth of love I have for my husband. I'm perpetually blown away by this. What I'm seeing in me, though, is an emotional reaction as my love grows and what seems to be a desperate need for connection in times that he cannot. He has bipolar too, and when overwhelmed, hides away for a few days to get his head in order. During this time, I want to remain supportive and not care that we cannot speak. 
He warns me beforehand that he may need to disappear, but inside, I spiral. I panic. I freak out. I feel unworthy. I feel like it's over. I think he doesn't care. I plan a breakup or plan to simply cut off communication by deleting all the apps. I go a bit crazy inside. This is not typical for me. I'm usually very measured and even keeled. Not typically an emotional person. I have a background of family trauma, divorce, sexual abuse, and have worked fucking hard to be the woman I am today, so this shit shocks me. I'm never desperate and usually nothing but confident, yet here I am. What is this crazy desperation for connection with him to feel stable? Why the heck am I panicking and assuming the worst in the short time he needs for me to simply support and love in silence and wait for his return? I feel selfish even asking as my needs are not as large as his. I feel like I should be able to manage myself and not get twisted up in these foolish emotions. Has anyone else experienced anything like this? I'm so over myself. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Carrie. Hi, Rain. How are you? Hi, good. Good, good. I was just talking to Amber. We were kind of going over your story for a minute before uh, before our call. <laughs> I'm pretty okay. Excited. I'm pretty excited. Okay. I'll, I'll call you back, Amber. Okay. Okay, bye. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you. I'm going to tell you, so we've been putting together all these different episodes and I've talked to people about all kinds of stuff, especially in the last two weeks. I've had a call going every day, sometimes two in a day, right? So all kinds of crazy stuff is in my head. Yesterday, I talked to a guy who does crime scene cleanup and he was telling me, I know, I know he was telling, I won't even, I'll spare you, but he told me crazy gruesome stories. Yeah. Uh, So every day it's a, it's a different adventure for me right now. Um, how fun for you that is like I love that kind of stuff <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty interesting yeah. I'm, I'm loving it so so here's the thing I've been wanting to get on the phone with somebody who is into your lifestyle and the reason why I say that way instead of just calling it what it is and that's part of my issue right now is I don't even know what to call it I'm on these different <laughs> chat rooms I've got seven different ways of spellings and pronunciations and I have no <laughs> idea I've seen polygyny polygamy, polyamory, and I'll call it poly. At least they all start with that. Right. (laughs) Can you first explain to me what's the right term? What does it mean? Or see that you don't know either. Well, you know, people are inherently um, like to belong to groups. Like, you know, we, we just gravitate towards that as a, as a, as a human being. Right. So, and then people like to dig or dive deeper into those groups to kind of attain more individuality from other things. Sure. So sure. I think I get these feel little niches, right? Exactly. So I sure. see a lot of that happening for me. I just polyamorous and that's good, you know? And so is that the most umbrella term that there is? I believe that everything for me, from my experience, from what I've learned falls under that umbrella and everything else kind of trickles down from there. Can you help me understand what the differences are for the people who do differentiate themselves under uh, that umbrella? Just I don't ba- feel just like basic, I would basic, basic. Be an expert in that. Right, I, I right, really right. wouldn't want to. Um, I can get you someone who could. Okay. And I okay, can get okay. yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. Would Really break it down better than I would. I love that. I love that. I mean, <laughs> look, the most important thing about what we're doing is I want to hear your story. I'm super excited to hear your story, but, <laughs> but, uh, and just kind of talk through it with you. But, um, but I am very curious about that in general. It's really interesting to me. Have you heard of the polygyny P O L Y G Y N Y? Have you heard that one? I have. And what's funny is I was reading about it the other day. And now that I'm talking to you, my mind is a blank. 
Oh, okay. Blank. I've, I don't know if it's just the group that I saw, but is that related to maybe black people? Because I felt like that's what I saw, but I, I could, it could have just been that was a black polygyny group. I don't know. I, I don't think it's related to just black people. Not how, that I have run how, into. How niche does that get, right? Everything. Like, it's, right. it's crazy to me. Like, like even, I, I don't know, it, everything does kind of come down to a niche. Like, yeah, humans are fascinating. <laughs> it, but, but it really is, right? And I'm not yeah. at all making fun of it. I think if, no, you not at find, all. if you can find out specifically what you're interested in and find a group of people who are into that too, that's great for you. How supportive and how amazing, right? How amazing. It's, it's incredible. The internet lets us do that. I don't think we would have ever been able to find our matches around the world before when they had to be, you know, you had to meet them at the grocery store. We can go online <laughs> and we can find the people who really link up with us, right? I think right. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so you are in a polyamorous relationship, correct? Correct. Okay. This is you, your husband, and who? Well, it, 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 <laughs> how do I explain this? It takes uh, different forms at different times. Um, I will say that I am the primary polyamorous person in my relationship with my spouse. He is polyamorous, but he would be a swinger and be completely happy with never having a relationship and just having random sexual encounters with people. Uh And I am what drilling down. I'm what's considered demisexual, which means I cannot have a sexual relationship with anybody unless I have an intimate like emotional connection with them. And whether that's from trauma in my past or whether I would have been that way naturally, I don't know. It's just who I am today. And I'm, I'm cool with it. I think that's cool. Um, Yeah. And it, I didn't know what it was, but I always knew like he was fine with swinging. Like even his life before me, he was very prolific Mm -hmm. in his women and you know, his encounters and stuff. And I Mm -hmm. was not. Uh Um, So you're never been like a one night stand type of person. You don't just have like a hot and heavy (laughs) physical attraction and just go do something like that. No, no. So he was the first person I ever went home with and slept with on the same night. We have been together since that day, but our connection that day was intense. You made an emotional connection fast. Very quickly, got very it, quickly. Um, so other than that, no, I've never had a one night stand. I kind of wish I had, <laughs> but I haven't. Now that it's too um, late for you or what? <laughs> oh, it's definitely not too late for me. <laughs> never too late. Never. Remember, well, we're polyamorous. I, I am allowed to do what I, what I explore what I so, like so, ex- so explain that to me because again, like you, I am so preschool right now, if that, like <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I've never known anybody. I feel like it's something that's a lot of times kept within a community, right? Like if, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, it's not so openly discussed. So I don't know. Well, I think like it. with things like homosexuality, transgender, things like that, it's, it's so outside of what we in America have grown up with. We mm. are very puritanical in our, our relationships with sex. Mm-hmm. You know, you travel outside of America, especially to Europe mm-hmm. and you are those, they're much more open to openness and sexuality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're not afraid of it. It doesn't Whereas make here, them all nervous and weird. No, right. not at all. Right. I, like I meet people and I'm all, oh, okay, you know, you're not all pent up about this where I grew right. up being pent up about it. Sure. Um, and just for a backstory, I am a former evangelical Christian. I was a virgin till I was 31. Um, and so it, yeah, I was saving myself for the 31. Lord. Wow. I, oh yeah. I waited way too friggin' long. Um, and so this coming into this was, uh, a journey. It wasn't something that happened overnight. Mm. Um, so, and one thing I wanted to say too, is polyamory is not at all, uh, maybe for some it is, but it's not about sexuality. It's about the capacity to love 
other people. Just like you can have many children and you love all of them the same. You have different relationships with all of them. But polyamory is about, I love my husband and I love my boyfriend differently, but the same. Um, My heart expanded for both of them when I fell in love with this other man. Uh And it, it's not about sex. Sex is uh, the icing on the cake, but just like with, with marriage or relationships, it's not about sex. It's about the relationship. It's about the core. It's about the person. Sex is the icing on the cake. And sometimes the icing is phenomenal mm-hmm. and addicting. And other times it's like, oh, this really adds something to it, but it's not the all encompassing everything I need in this relationship. Before I love that you're helping me really kind of understand all of this. So before we kind of scoot back to like, the nature of your guys's relationship. I'm thinking about a comment you made earlier about your husband and that he would be fine being a swinger. And so <laughs> I start to wonder, and you, you already made that distinction that for you, it's an emotional thing for mm-hmm. him. It's less emotional, maybe more physical. Do you consider him or does he consider himself polyamorous? Does he have this yeah. emotional love connection separate from just the kind of interesting sex side, the icing, as you put it. He does. So he's, he's a, he's a relationship person as well, but Mm -hmm. not to the extent that I am. And, you know, he might meet someone one day that he falls in love with Mm -hmm. and that meets him in other areas than I do. Um, And I'm open to that. He's open to that. He's not, you know, saying that'll never happen. A couple of years ago, he was like, I don't think that'll ever happen, but he's progressed. He's grown. We did have a triad uh, relationship with a woman who we both very much loved. I think that they, in the relationship, I don't think either one of them would deny this, that, and if I'm misspeaking and they hear this, I'm sorry, (laughs) correct me, but they had a great friendship. There was a sexual component to it, but they were buddies. Like they had a lot of common interests, the type of music they listened to, cars, car shows, where he and I, I will go enjoy those things because he's enjoying them, but I don't. I don't want anything to do with him really. Like sometimes he has to drag me to it. Um, but I do it because he loves it. She really enjoyed doing those things with him. Her and I had a different kind of a love connection um, sure. on an emotional level. Uh, so we were all dating. They started out as friends. And then I went out with them one night and we realized two nights, a couple nights later after we saw each other, oh my God, we are on a date. This is what the heck is happening here? You know, we're dating. And so we just kind of all talked about it and then went full in. And we had this relationship with her that was sweet. It was beautiful. She was equal to me. It wasn't like, oh, you know, you can't have sex with him without me. Or, you know, they had a definite relationship apart from me. Her and I had a relationship apart from him. And then we had a relationship together. I have so many so, questions. Hold on, because I, there, I have I have literally thirty questions. I'm like, remember that? Ask them remember all. Remember that. Remember that. <laughs> okay. So first, is that the the story that you just told me? Is that the story of how you guys uh, entered the lifestyle of of polyamory? Is that the story? Because I was going to ask you, were you guys this way when you met, and then you kind of discovered it, or did it kind of happen on accident like that? My poor husband. Um. So I have just started coming out of the church when we met and uh-huh. I was kind of just sowing some wild oats. I had broken off a really an engagement uh-huh. and a week later I met him. And then uh-huh. he and I were obviously very intensely together from that point. And it's been 15 years. So this wasn't a rebound. Um, we had a threesome very early in our relationship and it was my first, and it was with a good friend of mine. She remains one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And um, he, from that point was like, 
you loved that, you know? And I was like, no, I'm going to hell. You know, like I had to work through all of these things. But I'll bet you did though. I'll bet he oh. saw it. I bet he saw oh, it. He, he definitely saw it. <laughs> yeah, 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 he yeah. was like, you need to explore this. And he gave me room. He mm. gave me time. He gave me emotions. He let me feel the feels. He let me be angry. He let me be angry at the church. He let me be realize oh. that, oh my God, I am bisexual. But I'm not even bisexual. I'm pansexual. Like if you're transgender, I don't care. I have heart connections. I don't need a certain apparatus to have a relationship sexual or otherwise. Right. Um, Basically, there are no boundaries for it. It's just love is love and that's it. Right. It's I fall in love with a person. I don't fall in love with a gender. Sure. sure. Um, I just happen to be with two cis males that, you know, and it, it, that's just how it is right now. It is what, what happens is. in the future, whatever. Okay. Um, so that's so, the way. You, so that's the way you guys came into the relationship. Was that? yeah. Okay, and he waited. He waited ten years. Like he back and forth. You know, we had other uh, instances with women or with other people, and he waited ten years for me to really work my way into this. I mean, we had kids during that time. We had the last recession. We had a lot of stuff. He had cancer, so we had a lot of stuff oh. going on. The interesting thing, the way you put it, is he waited. He did. So he was gracious. Sure, and I want to kind of figure out exactly what you mean by that. Does it seem like that was something <laughs> he wanted, and he was waiting for you to get there and meet him there because he was already there, or do you just yeah. mean that he gave you space to kind of blossom? I mean, I get that he did that, that he allowed oh. you to go through your own range of emotions, but he wanted you to get to that point, right? I don't know. I won't say wanted because I, that almost indicates he might have been pushing me. He knew who I was before I did. Right. And he saw these things in me before I did. So like now I can look back in my previous Christian life and say, there were two women that I, I think I loved in a very intimate sexual way even, but because of the, who I was at that time, I would never have been able to admit that to yourself, to myself, to them. I, one of them at the time, um, they're transgender, but it, at the time it is a female to male transgender. But at the time when she was living as a woman, he was living as a woman came to me and, and told me that he had feelings for me. And we were both involved in the church and I flipped out inside because I knew that I loved this person. I knew that I didn't want to lose them, but I was in no way emotionally capable at the time of understanding what would be required of me and what I needed to do to facilitate that. I just knew that in my mind, uh, the church says that's wrong and I can't do that right now. Because you know, he was transgender. No, because he was female at the time. He, he, he told she. me he was, you know, yeah. At the time, I don't want to dead, but at the time they were female presenting right. female, living female. Got it. And they told me, that they loved me. They told me they had feelings for me and we were like best friends at the time. Right. And then after we parted ways, um, they went on and, and transitioned to who I always saw them as. Mm -hmm. And, uh, now we have a very good friendship, but it's not what it could have been back then. Had Mm -hmm. I been emotionally, spiritually ready for something like that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. all that to say, yes, my husband saw it in me Uh saw it in me and he just waited. He would encourage me at times and he would be like, you like this person. And I was always, I I don't have a jealous streak, 
Um, so if he's checking out a chick, I am right there with him, but I was like, no, I'm doing it for you. You know, this was early in our relationship. I really thought it was because I was doing it with him or for him more than, oh, wait, I fucking think she's hot too. You know, like I would totally, (laughs) I would totally be there. Um, so yeah, he, he waited. so, so, So from the time you guys had that first kind of chance threesome experience until the next time that you guys had another woman join your relationship. How long was that? That was 10 years. Yeah. Wow. That was 10 years. Okay. And then, yeah. and, and then what happened after 10 years? Um, I had already kind of acknowledged that, okay, yeah, I'm bisexual. Uh-huh. I do like women. And uh-huh. I, we went through a period where it just, it didn't even matter uh-huh. what, physically we wanted with other people. He had leukemia and he almost died. So we went into crisis mode. He was sick for a year. Sex for us wasn't even on the table. And that's when you know, like what real intimacy is because real intimacy isn't sex. It's, it's that mind, heart, soul connection. And sex is again, icing on the cake. Um, which so a cake's, which a cake's not good without icing, but it's not right? the biggest part. Yeah. What are you going to choose, a cupcake or a muffin? You're going to go for the cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so we we couldn't really do much while he was really sick, which was fine. Sure. Sure. But once he started healing, we really started talking, and mm. we noticed that as we talked, it brought us closer together. Mm. It reignited things in us. It excited us, mm. and it like reignited our our love for one another as we started talking about this. And this is when we started defining, like, what is this? Is it just threesomes that we want? Because I had said before, um, when we would talk about threesomes, well, what about a man? And he was always like, oh no, just a girl, you know, like real, like patriarchal, patriarchal Mm -hmm. and not wanting to share me with someone Mm -hmm. unless it was a woman because Mm -hmm. he could have pleasure from that. Mm -hmm. And he had growth to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would get mad and be like, that is just so sexist. You know, you have to, you have to do, you can't think that I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life. Wow. And, um, he really, he had work to do and boy, did he do that friggin' work. Um, and he got onto the idea of compersion. Do you know what compersion is? No, never So compersion is when you have pleasure from someone else's pleasure. So like, say your mm. partner Mm-hmm. derives great pleasure from heavy metal and you hate heavy metal, but you get pleasure from your partner enjoying that heavy metal music. Absolutely. Or, you know, like within a sexual relationship, I find great joy when he's being pleased by someone else. Uh-huh. He finds great joy when I'm being pleased by someone else. So there's compersion there. It's, there's, it's just an absence of jealousy, sure. but even more so a delight in the other people, person enjoying themselves. But just to be clear for anybody listening and myself, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about, we're talking, we're not talking about physical pleasure, actually, right? We're just talking Both. about joy. So you're saying Both. physically you feel pleasure when you're, when your partner is being pleasured, even if you're not involved in that act. I find great joy in it because he is enjoying himself and but, he but joy is... and pleasure. Like, do you feel tingling is what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Really? It's a total turn on. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> Same for point, him too. To the point where you can have an orgasm or, or not that much. Have you ever had an orgasm just by watching? Um, I am that person, <laughs> but, uh, Oh my God, my daughter's and for, and for, gonna watch this. And forgive, <laughs> forgive me because hey, I don't know how to have this conversation 70%. No, have I the have, conversation. You know what I'm saying? So I would say 
how do I say this diplomatically? Some people can't have orgasms without stimulation. Other right. people can. Sure. I'm to the point where I probably could with limited stimulation or limited. even none. Right. Right. Um, or none. Have you ever had a, an orgasm without any stimulation? Yes. You have. You yes. have. Really? Yes. You yeah. lucky dog. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, so it's a new thing. <laughs> But it's just thoughts. I mean, the thoughts. Can you, before we get more into the, the, the relationship, I'm <laughs> dying. I, I feel like I'll forget to come back to this if I don't ask it now. Can you tell oh me God. that story? If you don't feel comfortable, it's fine. Um, if you sweat a little bit while you say it, it's okay. But I, I want to hear that. Well, it happened first in sleep. Okay. And then I was like, okay, well, okay. this was a dream. And I woke up having an orgasm. This is oh. not impossible, you know. That's and a good point. I know lots of people I have wet dreams. That's a good right. point. I wasn't touching myself, my legs were not like crossed, I wasn't doing anything necessarily. But then I mean, how do I say this? You know, you can tighten your vulva kegels would be the common mm -hmm. uh, thing for it. Mm -hmm. That would be very probably easy for me in the right frame of mind. Uh, um and I think all of its frame of minds, like it just, even having an orgasm takes the right frame of mind, the right, right. relaxing, the right allowing, inviting, right, and just, you know, getting out of your And men, men can do something similar to the Kegels thing too, uh -huh. you know, like you can flex your stuff and you can feel something there. So I can, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not, well, I don't know how else to say it, right? But uh, if you're going to be open and honest, I'm not going to, you know. Oh, no, I'm, I'm there. I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, guys can do something similar to that too. You know? Right. So, right. so I, I'm just trying to relate. Like I'm trying to really get it in my head what you're talking about. I completely understand. Your point about having a wet dream blows my mind because you're right. Yeah. Most people have had an orgasm without being touched, right? So it is right. all mental. We just don't realize that. That's right. amazing. It's the mental place. Like even now thinking about it, could I have an orgasm just like sitting in my car thinking about I probably could, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I would have to be in the right mental place. Now, whether that means certain stressors out of my life or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. it, it might mean that. Mm -hmm. But I also want to say that I was not one that ever had for people watching. And I think this is important, especially for women mm -hmm. that um, I used to teach uh, sex classes and mm -hmm. I would teach women who had no idea about their anatomy and no idea how an orgasm happened, how it worked, had never had one. And I'm talking women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And yeah. I didn't have an orgasm. After I first started having sex, I never even self-pleasure had never had an orgasm until I was 33. Mm. And then once I figured out what it was supposed to feel like and look like, I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> you know, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's something that has to be learned a lot of times. It's something that, especially coming from a childhood of trauma or even trauma in adulthood, right. women have, and men have a very difficult time with. So, mm -hmm. you know, saying that I can have an orgasm with thinking, it took a long time to get to that point. You know, sure. it's 15 years to get to that point. To be that comfortable um, and to, and to not feel like there's something wrong with that act of right. pleasure, especially when you come from right. a place of sexual abuse, right? Exactly. Or yeah. realizing that, okay, well now I'm multi-orgasmic or squirting or things like that and being comfortable with all of those things and all the things that happen or can happen with my body and being willing to investigate. God, <laughs> you're taking me too many places because I'm never going to get back to the original fucking story with you. I've got two more things I need to ask you. One is, I got to start writing shit down. I'm going to lose all of this. One is, answer this one quickly so I don't forget the other one, which I think, no, I didn't forget it yet. Okay, so one is, 
did you have an orgasm before when you were a church girl? Like, did you masturbate is what I'm saying before you had sex? Masturbated with a lot of shame. I would have what I would call a climax, but it was never an orgasm. There is a definite difference. Mm. Um, what I thought was the end then was mm. only the effing beginning. <laughs> so I was on the build on the climb up and I thought, oh, well, that's it. But then you, you know, just uh, shame and everything. It was not happening. You're so. like, that's enough of that. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so that was one I had to get to. And then the other one I want to get to is this, you mentioned squirting along with being multi-orgasmic and all this, right? Okay. <laughs> big, big misconception. I think that men have about women is that either A, when they hear them queefing, that that's an orgasm, or B, when they see them squirting, that that's an orgasm. And I think neither are an orgasm. Can you correct me on that if I'm wrong? Um, or explain uh, to yes. me from your point of view, you know, obviously queefing is just air. You put air in there and now it came out. Yeah, that's all that I, is. Don't, I don't, my husband says he's, I, I, I don't think I queefed, but I've never heard it or I don't, I couldn't identify it. So uh-huh. um, squirting, there is an orgasm for me. Really? And it's a different type of an orgasm. And okay. it's, uh, remember my husband says I experience orgasms differently than the other women that he's been with. Like uh. it's a whole body experience for me. Uh. And even with squirting, it's a whole body experience, but it takes specific stimulation like G spot sure. stimulation and sure. then clitoral stimulation for it to occur. Now it did happen to me when I was little church girl and I squirted. I still wouldn't call that an orgasm, and it wasn't to the extent that it happens now. Uh, how, it was how did you still squirt? different. With your fingers, you squirted. I was, or I was masturbating one day, and all of a sudden the bed was wet, and I was yeah. like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, I peed." Yeah. Well, I didn't know till later that was not that. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. There's a thing in adult films that they do. They hire girls to come in and do these squirt videos, and. That there's a spot that you push, it's kind of in and up, and you can push there and it's going to happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's an orgasm. Like, I know girls that have done those videos. Right. Like, it's, I was definitely not turned on. This is the video. They put your, their fingers right there. Eventually, <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Little lesson for everybody out there if you're watching women have orgasms on porn, it's not real. Um, <laughs> and what is it? 94% of pornography never shows a woman actually experiencing pleasure. Um, right, so right, learning right. from that is very, right. uh, challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of just acting and placating for men. Most of it, right. is, there are girls that, that, you know, it'll happen. Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there are women out there who just, in, who enjoy certain things and, and or like, uh, there's a common misconception someone said to me, but, um, there's no such thing as a vaginal orgasm. I, nope. Yes, there is. You know, maybe for her, she cannot, or maybe she's just not with the right partner. Right. Um, but there's a lot of different orgasms that your body is in a, you know, wherever well, especially you're for you, you have a driving is. down the street orgasm. <laughs> I, I could. I definitely could. <laughs> I made a motorcycle ride or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. So, um, yeah, <laughs> anyway, we totally off the, off the subject, but right. uh, polyamory. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's take it back to this. This has been amazing. This has already been better than I expected. So, and, and thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. This is great. Okay. So now 10 years in, uh, after you guys have had your first kind of uh, triad experience, is that the right way to put it? Yeah. 
Is it or no? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to look like an idiot in front of the. It is a triad for sure. It was okay. a triad. Um, there are issues with triads when you talk about them in the poly community, especially okay. a male, female or male with two females. Because there's the concept of unicorn hunting, meaning there's usually a predatory couple looking for a bisexual female to come in and not have, there's a hierarchy to it. Like, oh, we're married. We take precedence. Uh, and here you are secondary to everything. Got it. With her. I could totally see we, that. I could totally she, see that being a thing. Like right. we're married, we'll bring you in. But really what you're doing is you're keeping them at a distance so they don't come in and ruin your shit. That's what you're really doing. Right. right? Yeah. And as a woman, I think that that would be very hard too because letting someone into your home to have equality with you mm. in your home and your homemaking and everything would be difficult. But that, again, if I could emphasize anything within poly communication, it's like relationships on hyper, on in, in, in hyperdrive. You have to communicate everything. She needed to be equal with us. And we were growing to that. Mm. Um, and obviously, at the beginning of a relationship, there's some things to work out, you know. And um, she was a lot younger than us and a lot less experienced. So when it was always, you are here, you are equal. We love you. Come in. And if you need to go, we are not going to hold you to this. Mm. You can come and go as you please. If you want to be with someone else, we will... Uh, allow is a poor word, but just we're open. Whatever she wanted, we were open. So then is there a feeling that there's less of a commitment from her in the relationship because you guys are like, we're not going anywhere. You can leave or come if you want to. Do you think that that creates in itself some sort of a hierarchy, even if you're not flaunting it, but it's kind of like we're rock solid. If you leave, fine. Well, it wasn't fine, <laughs> but um, it, it could. And that's a good thing for us to consider uh, if this happens again, because we just wanted her to know that we didn't have expectations of her while she grew because she was new to polyamory as well. And we had had years to talk about it. I um, almost feel like demanding a commitment from them is more of a, uh, a respect and, and you're valuing them more. Like we need your commitment. You're a hundred percent in like you need your husband's commitment. Because he's right. that important and he needs right. your commitment. So, but you're saying, I don't need your commitment to her. So I wouldn't say that we didn't say that. Okay. We were all committed. It was, we were there, we were in it. But because of her youth, we mm. didn't want her to ever feel like we're here. If you are here with us, you can stay, but we don't want you to ever feel like, so I guess that is that, but we didn't want her to ever feel like, we expected her to be in this lifestyle forever if that wasn't what she wanted. So it was more, you know, this is new for all of us and mm -hmm. we know that we love each other mm -hmm. and we want everything that's best for you. Mm -hmm. Everything that's best for you. Even if that comes at a sacrifice for our hearts, because we love you, mm -hmm. we don't want you to ever feel stifled by being I, here. I'm, I'm not judging at all. I mm -hmm. never would. I never do. But to me, from the outside looking in and when you tell the story, it sounds like you guys had some level of insecurity that you didn't want to ask her to be committed like that, right? Because you were trying to- That could have been. Yeah. Sounds like you guys were that a little insecure been. about like if she would want to be there forever. Yeah. Maybe if she would want to be there forever. And I think, and I probably struggle with this as a, as a whole, as a person anyway, is not wanting to stifle anybody's growth. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and in that, I sometimes forget that I also need things mm -hmm. um, or I need to speak up and say, oh, hey, wait, I actually do need a commitment because when she left, I was 
at first I was like, oh no, it's okay. It's okay because that's what we said. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was heartbroken mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she's still a part of our lives. We mm-hmm. still very much love her. Mm-hmm. Um, we just saw her in September. She's in a different state. We, we moved states um, about a year after the relationship ended. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved back home to California mm-hmm. and our door is always open for her. There will never not be a time where she will not be a part of our family, a part of our lives. But again, it is how she wants it. If she wants a sexual relationship, we're open. If she doesn't, we're open. You know, like when you guys just, hooked up, when was that? You said it, you said a, uh, 2015, 2016. That's when you guys reconnected or that's when your relationship oh, was? That's when our relationship was. When how we long? reconnected was 2019. Okay. I think we were together for like five, five, six months. I could be wrong. Okay. Five, six months. And you yeah. guys reconnected in 2019. When you guys hung out, did it become sexual or did you just hang out and see you later? No, it, it wasn't sexual. And that was not the intent. Um, we sure, were only sure. visiting, uh, we were in Denver and we were only there for a sh- few short days. Got now, it. and she's in a committed relationship with someone uh, now, Got it. a non-poly relationship. So hmm, that's that would never be something we would have put on the table for her or required or requested of her. Okay. So you guys were together for about six months. And during that time, I'm going to assume that there was some really great fun times that you guys had together. There Both was, in bed uh, and out. <laughs> right, right. I mean, aside yeah. from the sex. There, there oh, was, we had a great, she was part of our family. Our kids loved her. Our dogs loved her. Like she, she was part of us. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things that is the most interesting to me, and probably I would assume a lot of other people is, is that dynamic and and the jealousy factor in particular right and i know that you said you don't struggle from jealousy that's not something you deal with if your husband is looking at somebody you're supportive of it you're interested oh that's cool uh i i think you may be more the exception than the norm would you agree with that probably um i will say that when i do struggle with jealousy it's usually not jealousy that i'm really feeling it's threatened because somebody is presenting as if, uh, they want a real, how do I say this? Um, it's not territorial. Uh, there's two women I can specifically speak to that are friends of my husband's that Mm. I am, they are off limits because Mm. there is something about both of them that I am just, I don't like them. And Mm-hmm. And I'm not someone who dislikes people. It's very rare for me to dislike mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. But these two women, I want to say I feel threatened by them, but I don't feel threatened in my relationship by them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if we were to allow them into our our poly space, mm-hmm. they would cause issues. They're not there. And, for, they're not there for both of you. They're there for him. Is well, that, even if they were there for him, I feel like okay. Here's the here's the way to put it. Yeah, I feel like they wouldn't be poly people so much as they would be there for him and wanting to push me out. That's what I'm saying. And that is not how we roll. They're okay, not there yeah. to join you. They're there to kind of compete with you more so. Right. And I don't, I don't need to compete with anyone and I don't need anybody to compete with me. Well, nobody would invite I'm, that into their yeah. relationship. That's just stupid, right? Yeah. It's a little different. I don't know quite how to explain it, but just these two women and I've had issues with them in the past before, mm-hmm. even before we were poly. So he brought yeah. them up. Well, what about these? sort? I was like, apps, they're off the table, <laughs> off the table. And, and I feel bad because a lot of poly people won't have veto authority. Like they right. believe that you shouldn't have veto authority. Right. Right. And right. we may get to that point. Um, but right now, how I, so I, like who would have the authority in that situation in that scenario? Who has it? 
for me, if it's one of these two women, I'm able to say no. Right. For him, he he um, had veto authority for me at one point in time. Um, and I trust his opinion. So I am a child of trauma. I grew up in a traumatic household. I was sexually abused. I was physically abused. And a lot of times what that means is when somebody comes into my sphere, I don't always recognize them as an abuser. And I don't recognize their their uh, persona as abusive. Your red flag doesn't go up abusive. because it's normal no. to you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know. Um, he, however, didn't grow up like that. And immediately, he's such a good judge of character. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so there's been a couple of times he was like, nope, this is not a good person. This mm. We don't need this person in our lives. And even with like my current, um, I'll call him my boyfriend, um, when I was, when I first met him was, I met him four years ago and mm. he, he and I worked together and I kind of saw him in the halls. I, you know, I kind of, I knew his name. And then he was transferred to me one day to my team mm -hmm. and he sat down at my desk and it was like, my heart was all, oh, where have you been all my life? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I recognize you. You know, we knew yeah. each other, my soul connected with him. Yeah. And from that day, it was intense for both of us. And yeah. my husband came in and said, and I, I brought this to him and I said, I have feelings for this person. I would like to pursue something. And the Lord said, absolutely not. Really? You are his supervisor. Uh, it's putting you in a bad position. It could cause both of you to lose your jobs. Right. And this person had just gone through a traumatic divorce. Mm -hmm. And was like, you need to let him get over and heal and do the things he needs to do. And then we'll see. Right. And he never cut it off. I remained, this, this man remains in my life. I love him. I have loved him for a very long time. Did you continue and sharing your feelings with your husband about him? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's known. My family knows my, our kids know, like we're not, we don't, I hide. love the honesty of it. Yeah, I think that's so right. important, right? Yeah. 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 There's nothing to hide. I think there's a lot of people who are, or would be Polly if they were brave enough to be that honest. I think yeah. this would be all, cause look at how many people cheat. Right. And if they right. were to just come home and say, look, this, I met somebody I kind of like, and this, I feel like there are so many more people who could at least have open relationships versus cheating behind their back. Right. And, and an open relationship is more, just to clarify, open is more, he can go do what he wants, when he wants, with whomever he wants. And right. I don't know. Right. For us, we know there's always that line of communication. Totally. And thank um, you for clarifying that. And I understand yeah. the difference, but what I'm saying is right. not you guys, but I'm saying there are other people who, instead of cheating, it would be better to at least be open and honest and say, this is what I'm doing. And they can choose whether or not they want to coexist that way, but they'd probably be a lot happier. I mean, think oh. of how many people get caught cheating every day. It's horrible. I think that for a lot of serial cheaters, they they are yeah. probably polyamorous people mm. who just don't know what that is and don't know how, because I, I have friends who one is always like, Oh, I'm in love with these two people. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, we'll be in love with them. And right. if one of them, if they're not okay with it, then that's okay. You need to go find who will be okay with that and right. who will accept that lifestyle. And they're just like, no, I'm a cheater. That's not true. You know, like, <sighs> but then you have these I, sickos. I, yeah. Then you got these sickos who, they need to be cheating. That's what's fun about it for them, right? Yeah. Then you got yeah. those guys. Those are That's those more guys like are a fun borderline girls. personality disorder kind Narcissism of thing. Narcissism you know? kind yeah. of thing. Like they yeah. need, they need, yeah. Anyway, okay. So Just I'm sorry. For the sake sorry. of hurting sex. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. or, or like people, people do all kinds of stuff for a rush. They steal, they jump off bridges. You know, sometimes yeah. they need the rush of doing something that's wrong, you know? And, right. 
and not getting caught or trying not to get caught. Like that's what they need. So, okay. So you meet this guy and you're gushing about him to your family, to your husband and, and go on from there. I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, it's okay. Um, he and I just, there was something there, there, he remained special. Even after I left that position, I was still working for the company, but I ended up on a remote position. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to California. He and I were in constant, regular communication and his feelings for me from the get go was he loved me. And I knew that, and I loved him, but I tamped down those feelings. I didn't allow myself to fall in love with him because Mm -hmm. I was never like, I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to be with you or whatever. And, And then the same thing, we went back to Denver in September and Uh he and I went to coffee and it was like, nothing had changed. Nothing. Like I saw him, I already knew I had feelings for him. And my husband had even said, you know, you guys are going to see each other. Just let it happen. You know, just let yourself be free with who you are. And he, and mind you, nothing sexual had happened with this person at all before then and still hasn't. Um, but no, it's so anyways, we saw each other in December or Uh September. Everything was fantastic. And then that's when we came home and I was like, uh, I'm in love with you. You know, I am in love with this person. And I had to, I think he and I both had to get used to the fact that, okay, I am now where you have been. Um, and it, it just grew from there and it grew in intensity. And, um, I am, I am, I am totally in love with him just as much as I'm in love with my husband. And the thing about it is that blew my fucking mind was that, pardon the language, um, was that, uh, as I fell in love with him, I fell more in love with my husband. Like it, like my heart just exploded in expansion. Like, this love that I had for him carried over to me falling in love with my husband in a deeper and bigger way. And, you know, falling in love with this boyfriend, uh, for lack of a better term, we haven't labeled it that, but falling in love with him and my heart's exploding. Why with do love. you think it made you feel more love towards your husband? Uh, the freedom and the grace and the joy that he gave me and just Without the guilt? delight, yeah. no yeah. guilt. Yeah, in yeah, fact, yeah. he, he's like, He's like, just talk to me about it. You can tell me all these things you're struggling with. You can tell me how you're feeling. And we have long conversations about this other man that, and he's just strong and encouraging and helping me because I'm like, I'm not a big emotional person. So all of a sudden I'm feeling all these emotions and I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm going crazy. This is like, I don't do this. And it's like, just, you know, just allow it and talking me through thinking that I'm crazy because I'm not, I'm just in love. And, um, it's been uncomfortable, but Mm. it's been beautiful. And, Mm. you know, our girlfriend, I was falling in love with her before Mm. things broke off and the breakup was her decision. Mm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't ours. And, you know, my heart was hurting then, but with him, like I'm allowing myself to fall in love with him and I don't know what it is. It's just Mm. amazing that I would fall even more in love and deeper in love with my husband too. It's, Mm. it's a gift. So yeah. I have a question. You, you said that, you know, as you started feeling feelings for your boyfriend that you're like, Hey, I don't know where this is going to be able to go. You're kind of mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe a little uh, standoffish because you don't want to let yourself fall for him. And you don't know if you're actually going to be able to, you know, it just brings a question to mind. So you had the girlfriend who lived with you guys 
and your husband's like, no guys, but he's had some learning and growing to do. And now he's grown to a place where he can allow you to have this relationship. Where I'm getting at is at any point, do you think he would allow your boyfriend to move in with you guys and be a two guys, one girl type of relationship? Or do you think that would be off the table? And my question, okay. Okay. It was a loaded (laughs) question because I thought you were going to say he wouldn't allow that. And then I was like, well, how come you can have two ladies there, but not two men? Um, I think the person that would not allow it would be the boyfriend because he needs space and it works. Ah. It works for him. So, okay. Okay. So then where do you see that going? I know that you kind of just take it as it comes, but if you've ever sat and thought about it, um, have you ever sat and thought about where the future of that relationship goes? I have. Um, he has his own struggles, so uh, he's got some things to deal with. No, I mean... I know about it. Do you not want to talk about that? Uh, what did you read? Did you, is this how you guys found me in the polyamory discussion? Are uh, we my, talking about- my sister is the producer, and she found you there. Oh, so okay. I have the story, and I was going to ask you that question next, but the fact that you're holding off on saying it makes me think maybe I shouldn't ask it. So, no, you can ask it. Okay, so I'm, at what point did you find out he was bipolar? Probably almost from the day I met him. Okay. So, and to define that, uh, my sister was bipolar too. Uh, uh, she had bipolar one with schizoaffective disorder. and So um, high manic, that's high manic? High manic. Yeah. My boyfriend uh, doesn't have that. He has bipolar two, which, hmm. and his is very manifest in depression mm-hmm. um, without the mania, things like that. So, mm-hmm. Um, he also has uh, PTSD and, and struggles with anxiety over things. So, um, and I know him well. <laughs> so I know that, so you're talking about moving in together. I would, my, my heart and my house will always be open to him. But for him, he's like, no, I need to live on my own. I get that actually. So, if he's got anxiety, yeah. PTSD, he's got all these things, <laughs> then there's a lot of times where he just wants to be left alone. So he can't right. necessarily live with people. He needs his, he needs to be able to go and not feel bad and have his own space when it happens. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And that's been a huge learning curve for me because I'm, that's what I hear. <laughs> I'm a heart. I'm an extrovert at heart. You know, like, uh-huh. I'm like, Oh, let me investigate everything. And what's interesting is we're in a phase right now that, has caused additional growth for me. And it's been really beautiful um, that uh, with COVID and uh, just everything going on and he's, he's in Colorado, he, and then the intensity of our feelings for each other, he has pulled away. And I know he warned me that it was going to happen. He said, I will do this. This is, I will need space. I will need quiet. I will not contact you. It doesn't affect how I feel about you. I've felt about you this way for four years. This isn't going to change anything for me. Sure. I just need that time. And me coming from a attachment trauma background was like, mm-hmm. and I used to do this with my husband too. When we would get in a fight, I would spiral and I would think, oh, well, we're going to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And that's it's the first over. place I would go. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with the boyfriend, it's been a learning of he needs space and growth in myself. Like, you know, he's not intending to hurt me here. He's trying to take care of himself to get him where he needs to be. And it's, been a time of quiet in our relationship, like not the constant communication that we were in. And at first it threw me and then I went into, well, wait, why does he do this? And then I went into research mode to understand bipolar, bipolar two, the depression, the quietness, the pulling away, the everything so that I could better understand what he needs and I can better care for him and love him 
the way he needs to be loved later. Uh Because I will emphatically say he is already loving me the way that I need to be loved. Uh You know, I'm not real complex. That's probably a lie, but I'm not real complex. Yeah, come on. He does he does really well. With you are. Me, You've so. just got yourself figured out, you know? Right, right. And just understanding that that attachment, if you're talking about the post, I think you're talking about where I was talking about, um, I'm pretty sure uh, bipolar depression and him pulling away is what I asked and how do I deal with this? Right, right, right. And one of the responses in that was to figure out what your attachment style is. And I went in and I did that and I was like, Holy heck, I have issues to work on too, mm-hmm. because this has nothing to do with him. My response is entirely my response. So mm-hmm. learning that I have a trauma attachment issue now, that I now need to work on. Yeah. And that's good. And maybe, you know, it's funny, every new relationship, every new encounter tests us from a slightly different angle and it shows us where we may have holes and weaknesses that we need to work on. So that's why so many experiences in life are beautiful. And that's why the older you get, the wiser you get, the more well-rounded because you've been tested from all these different angles. If you've been lucky enough to live a kind of varied life like you have, you know what I mean? Um, So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of uh, your husband. And I'm thinking about, okay, you've got this boyfriend on the side who you're madly in love with. I don't want to say it on the side, but you've got a boyfriend no. <laughs> who you're mad, right? you got a right. boyfriend who you're madly in love with. And when he pulls away, you go into frantic mode. Oh, where is he? Where is he? And I'm thinking about watching my wife sitting in the corner, researching depression and panicking over another man. And at some point, would I ever have negative feelings about that? I guess you could say something like jealousy or just a frustration with that whole thing. At some point, would I go, like, what are you doing? Or would it make me feel like, am I not good enough to have her entire love? Am I not good enough for somebody to fully dedicate themselves to me? I wonder if I would ever turn that on myself like that. You may, and he may. I don't see him doing that because I think that he sees me tackling the struggle with the boyfriend, Mm -hmm. the way that I tackled struggles with him. Sure. Um, So when he got leukemia, I went into research mode. How do we do this? What do we do? What kind of leukemia? Because it was a rare leukemia. What do we need to do? Where's the best treatment? What, you know, I went into full research mode. Yeah. Um, Our son is nine and he has autism and my research. Like Mm -hmm. I need to know the best thing to do for him. And so that is just, that's how I love people. Mm -hmm. I want to understand what you need and Mm -hmm. I'm going to full force give that to you. Um, so with him or my husband, Mm -hmm. he has seen me love him like this for 15 years. So I think that he knows how I love people and he sees me loving the boy, the the boyfriend in this way. Um, We're just going to call him Man B for now on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can say his name, but I I feel bad because I didn't tell him that I'm doing this. Is it a common first name? uh, It's not even his real first name that he goes by, but it it is. Yeah, it is. Anyway, yeah, he's Man man B. But look, (laughs) so, so, and that's no disrespect, but just respecting his privacy. So, so uh, the same kind of question I have though, is I wonder, do you think, that at ever now obviously you guys are sound in your relationship you've had other people come in come out 
and you guys are still solid. So it seems like, you know, you guys have an understanding. I know you love me. I know you love me and we're good. And other people right. isn't going to break us apart. Do you think there would ever be a time though, where if you went too far, as you obviously feel like maybe you've gone too far in those emotions of panicking over man B, right? Because you made that post and said, am I losing my mind here? Uh, this isn't like me. Am I, you know, so, so do you think that he would ever notice that, but maybe not want to be a bummer and say, Hey, you're making me feel bad. Or do you think he would say like, I feel like, like in many relationships, the taboo is don't ever have feelings with somebody else in your relationship. The taboo might be, don't ever have a problem with me having feelings about somebody else. Is that a a thing? No, I think that for both of us, we, we know that we're both going to have feelings for someone else and we've accepted that. Okay. Um, I would say it's going to be harder for me to watch him fall in love with someone because no, not yet. Okay. Because for so long, he's used to me having intense relationships with other people, sexual or not. Like I have my, my friendships are intense. I'm intense. I love big. Mm -hmm. And whether you're my friend or your lover, why do you say you're not emotional? How can you say that? Right? And say you're not, dude, you're super emotional. You said you can have an orgasm from looking at somebody. Like, listen, listen. You not said, you, now I know what you mean. But you said, you said you can't have, you don't like to have sex with somebody unless you have an emotional connection. Right. Why are you telling yourself? You're only telling yourself this. Nobody else is asking you if Rain, would you knock it off? Um, right so or, right I, or no? No, I, mean, I think you're right. I I'm think just trying that to rectify that. That's a, that's I'm a contradiction. I'm just used to keeping myself even keeled. And, you know, just kind of doing life, you know, and enjoying things and and not going too high or too low so that when I am on this new relationship energy high, Uh well, and part of it, I think in something my husband and I spoke about last week or the week before is that some of this is still taboo in parts of my brain. Like, oh, wait, Mm. I'm in love with two men at one time. I have a husband I'm in love with and I'm in love with this man. So having to work through all of those those taboos still too, there's still sure. it's still layers of the onion to kind of peel off and it, it almost seems like you saying you're not emotional is almost like a self soothing thing. It's Maybe. almost like you saying I'm okay, I'm okay. Like you're saying you're not emotional in order to try to calm that down. <laughs> don't be emo- you're almost like you're saying Maybe. don't be emotional. You're saying don't be emotional. Don't I'm not emotional. I'm not because you are emotional. That could be, I, 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 but I wonder if it's more of an outward emotional that I'm not like, I just always tend to come across confident and I know who I am and, and I, those things are true, mm-hmm. but I don't show, I don't get angry really easily. I it takes it a feels, lot to get me angry. It sounds so it like you have takes, a specific, you have a specific type of emotion associated with the word emotional. I think that's, what's confusing you. Maybe, maybe it's an, a, a physical outburst or a physical manifestation of the emotion yeah. that like, I'm the person who I could watch the status movie and I'm not crying and everybody else is crying. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That was touching, but I'm right. not, <laughs> I'm not doing this, but with, I'm the opposite. I'll just say his name. I'm sobbing with, like a baby. That's my husband. I'm like, okay, are you okay? <laughs> I can watch a McDonald's commercial and cry. I'm telling you. <laughs> not me. Now I can listen to Seth John Stevens and I'm like a wreck, but, um, with Skilla, I'll say his name with Skilla. This is all just so new. And I don't think when I, when I fell in love with my husband and we had that, like that oxytocin going back and forth and all those feel good love feelings, I was not having to question anything. And I wasn't having to take into consideration a lot of things. And, 
I was just able to go through those emotions and accept them for what they were at the time and be with that person as I was in love with him. We're long distance. He has some struggles. I have, you know, a husband and kids and we're apart. So maybe it's that kind of unknowing of, I can't just emote to him like this. Mm. I can't just say all this stuff to him all the time because I'm not in his presence all the time. Mm. So maybe there's, there's that component to it as well. When you communicate with him, you also have to hold back certain things in light of his condition or or do you lay it on him all the way? I ask for permission. Um, I will ask, where are you? And can I say stuff to you? Am I, and without exception, he's always like, tell me everything, you know, tell me what you need. Tell me what, what it is. So, but I will always ask permission. I, I think I do the same thing with him or two. Okay. Where, you know, can I tell you some things? Can right. I say this to you? Right. And I think that's better than me having and sitting there with the emotions and then obviously seeing I'm feeling some things or I'm acting yeah. out in a certain way yeah, and yeah, having yeah. to pull it out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's great that you're such a um, considerate communicator in that way. Are you ready to hear this? Are you ready to talk about this versus just like, you need to hear this right now, which I'm sure sometimes you do that too because you're oh, yeah. Um, but to some extent, then you must feel like you have to be considerate of a bit more because he does have those emotional issues. I do. Um, do you think the times when he disappears, that's him? Like, I'm not, I can't like, it's either. Yes, I'm ready to talk or I'm just gone all the, all together. Does that happen? My understanding of when he disappears, it's from what he's told me because the noise gets too loud for him in his head. That's what he describes it. Yeah. And he needs to go deal with that, Uh calm himself down, get himself level. Uh And then he comes back. Uh Um, And he's done this throughout our entire relationship. This isn't just since September, this has happened Uh throughout our friendship. He would, um, even when we worked together, he would pull back for a couple of weeks sometimes because we were right next to each other. We were talking the Uh entire time we were at work Uh or we were on instant messenger at work talking. There was a deep friendship developed Uh um, and a deep care for each other. Um, with this sexual tension hanging in the air everywhere we went. Which means that that relationship must have been quite a commitment emotionally, right? Like it's a lot. If you're constantly interacting, you're having all this sexual tension, then that means that it's a very taxing relationship if you don't feel like being emotional or connected at the time. It could be for him. And that's more communication that we have to do. And I always ask, you know, is this too much? Is this, is this, and he's the reassurance from him is no, it's not. However, when COVID came up, he had something else happen in his life, a couple other things. And Mm -hmm. he's like, this is just getting too much. Like I, and I know when he, um, how he speaks to me or the frequency when it starts going down, Mm -hmm. I know that there's going to be a period of no communication. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. but it hadn't happened in this intense phase of our relationship yet. So when it happened was when I was like, Oh my God, you know, is this about me? Is this, did I do something? Is this too much for him? And that's when I reached out to the poly groups seeing, or to the poly group. I, mm-hmm. I love that particular group. I belong to others. That particular one is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, when I reached out and said, Hey, you know, am I crazy? What's going on here? Does anybody have any, you know, advice uh-huh. or ha- experience with this? And a lot of people had negative 
Like, don't do this. Don't right. that just was my get first out. Thought when Amber told me the story, that was my first uh-huh. thought was that you're signing up for a, a lifetime of hell. But <laughs> that I mean, you know, but so did, am I, is it fair to assume then that when you got to a more intense, as you describe it, a version of your guys' relationship that you thought you were past that point where he would have these moments of having to seclude? No. 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 So, no, why was it, so why was it it's more like, bothersome now? I think because my emotions were more intense oh, okay. and I was finally allowing myself to admit that I was in love with him mm-hmm. and that I wasn't, I didn't just love him, uh-huh. that I was actually in love with this man uh-huh. and I want more with this man. Like uh-huh. I had always wanted more, but I had put it on the table. I had shelved it. You know, I'm just going to love him in whatever capacity we are able to. Mm-hmm. But when I went out there and we saw each other, I was like, I can't deny this anymore. I can't say this. And so I went to him and I said, this is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And he's like, do this. You know, you have, do this. And he's more fully aware of uh, and what he struggles with. And um, insofar as thinking that it's a world of hurt um, or how people reacted to it. Right. I will say two things. My sister was bipolar one. So she had the high manics and she had some low lows. Mm -hmm. The manic phases are very hard to deal with, um, were very hard to deal with with her, but I never stopped loving her and I never stopped being there for her. Mm -hmm. And she was never abusive to me. She was always, she was always who she was, you know, Mm -hmm. um, bipolar two is a little different than bipolar one. Um, and he just gets depressed. He's not abusive. He's not, I mean, he, he may be angry at things, but he's never angry at me, you know, like it's never, he's, his anger to me is no different than the anger I see displayed in my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, what my husband gets angry about, right. uh, or other men that don't have bipolar. And I would say this is that just like with autism, with my son and I myself am probably on the spectrum. I, I just haven't wanted to go in and get tested or whatever, but just with autism, like when my son is having an autistic type reaction to something, it's no different than an epileptic having a seizure. He's not doing it on purpose. He's just doing what his body needs to do because that's the reaction his body knows to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, can they learn? Can they take the right medication? Things like that. That's entirely up to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, my son can. He can grow. He's high-functioning autistic. You know, he can grow. He can learn. He can increase his emotional intelligence. Alex has, has ways. He has support. He, you know, medication therapy, whatever it's all up to him how he grows, but I'm not going to sit here and say, how do I say this for his bipolar? This particular manifestation of it isn't the hardest thing for me. Watching him be sad and feel like he's alone is harder for me Mm. so that I can't talk to him for a few days, a few weeks, big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's ego based for me. Like, Oh, what do you mean? You don't want to talk to me or, Oh, what do you mean? This has everything to do with me. No, it doesn't has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what he needs. And if I needed something that he could give, I know he would give it. But you're just starting to understand it that way, right? There was definitely a time recently where you did think it was about you. Oh, for sure. Right. So you're just starting to learn And then I had to work on my trauma response and my attachment response and realize that my responses like that don't just how what I wrote in that post, it's not just, and I think I mentioned my husband and my response to him in that post too, that you know, when my husband needs quiet or time away from me after we've fought, he wants to pull away 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I need to fix it now. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to know where you are. I need to know we're okay. Or I start spiraling. Right. That that spiraling is entirely in my control now. Like right. I can now recognize it and say, right. I don't need the spiral. Let me just walk through some thought, thought modules here. Right. Thought models. Right. And what is the outcome I want? Do I want a spiral? Then right. if I do, then I can react ABC. If right. I don't, then I can react ABC and take control of this because really it's just all in my head. Be conscious of it. Take a couple deep right. breaths and be intentional about what right. you do next, right? Like that's really right. all it takes. We'd all be so much better off if we would just stop sometimes, look at ourselves oh and take gosh. a deep breath before we do right. the thing. But we just go, and go, think go. think it through. Yeah. Think about what... So you have a thought and a thought creates a feeling, right? right? So my thought is he doesn't want to speak to me. This is all about me. And that creates a feeling of abandonment. Right. And then it creates an action, which my action is, oh God, I got to fix it, which means I'm chasing him down. Right. And then the result is further distance, right? right. And me right. spiraling more. Right. Well, I have a thought. He doesn't want to talk to me right now. I can control the feeling. Right. What is my feeling? Well, right. my feeling is, okay, I'm just going to rest. I'm not going to take this personally. It's not that I'm not going to have feelings around it, but I'm going to work through those feelings. And my action is going to be, I am going to let him have his space. Right. And then the result is going to be peace for me. Uh-huh. It's not, so my question I is this. I, 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 I love how emotionally intelligent you are. And I love even more, <laughs> not really. And I love Thank even you. more how much work you put into that and developing that. And that's something that's missing. I feel like emotional intelligence mental health issues that we have going on right now, that's it, right? Those, that's the yin and the yang. If people worked on their emotional intelligence more and self-awareness more, it would help to resolve a lot of the mental health issues that we have, the ones that are preventable. Social media and this mass communication that we're exposing ourselves to, that's really a big part of the reason why we're having so much anxiety these days and all these emotional issues is because we're not used to this. This generation or this last decade, this is the first time we've ever heard each other's conversation on this scale. We weren't built right. for this. This isn't natural for us to hear the voices and opinions of millions of people every day. Right. It's not normal. We're not right. made for this. And we are the pivotal generation. This is the era where that's all changing. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it wasn't existent. Now, all of a sudden, I hear everybody. If somebody farts in Indonesia, I know about it. You right. know what I mean? And, and so we're, it's going to take a lot for us to emotionally be able to deal with that and carry that weight of all that shit happening in our heads at the same time. That's what's really wrong with us right now. But we have to right. just stop and get to know ourselves better. Here's, right. a, here's a question that I have for you then. If you stopped and thought about your relationship with and where he is and his condition and the way that things are, right? If you stop and think about that, do you believe that that is sustainable long-term to keep that relationship up without taking any emotional damage on yourself for carrying that, which is possibly in turn going to impact who you are for your kids, for your husband, for everybody else around you? Or do you think that you can manage that relationship long-term without it negatively impacting you and the rest of your life? So, one, we don't know if it's going to be long-term, but mm-hmm. I am in it for the long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, insofar as emotional impact on me, mm-hmm. I don't see a reason why he, it has to have a negative impact on me. Um, if I allow it a negative impact, it would have one. I think that having 
open communication with other people in my life, with skill with other people, with my husband, and being very transparent and everything makes it easier to understand what I need to change and what I need to do. Uh, I don't. I don't think that bipolar people are not lovable long term. Um, I think it takes a, a commitment on both sides to work through each individual issue. And that means he has to be completely open with me mm-hmm. and I have to be completely open with him. And both of us have to be in a place of, of uh, taking everything into account, you know, and being honest and really seeking the treatment that, you know, I still need therapy for things that I experienced in my past. I mean, just mm-hmm. understanding how I reacted to his quiet. Um, oh my gosh, you know, I have another thing I need to go into therapy for and start working on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not going to say you're same too difficult him. to love, I'm out. You're not going to say no. you're too difficult to love, even though it I, might be tormenting that you're in love with this person. And it's not tormenting. Too, well, no, no, this is what I was going to say. Is that, <laughs> is that like, for me, it would be, and not in a bad, not, I'm not saying anything bad about anything. What I'm saying is like, imagine you're in love with somebody and they need time for themselves periodically a week, two weeks at a time. Even if that was, I'm going to Hawaii and there's no phone service. I don't get to talk to you for two weeks. That's tormenting. That's what I mean is the distance that time, regardless of whether they deserve it or it's okay or any of that more so just the fact that that's not probably going to change. He's always going to need that space. You know, like I grew up in the military household. And when you sign up for that as a military wife or a husband, married to the military, you're married to the military and your, and your husband or wife is going to be gone for four, six, eight, 12 months at a time. And, and, and periodically, right? Like my stepdad was constantly gone. He'd be gone for six months. He'd be back for eight months. He'd be gone for six months. He went on tons and tons of these deployments. And as a military wife or husband, you sign up for that. And it's not easy and it definitely hurts. And I think it breaks a lot of those relationships apart too. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what I mean. I don't mean any, I don't mean, you know, the bipolar aspect of it. I just mean the distance, the periodical distance that's going to be kind of constant. Is that sustainable for you? Or is that some point would you go, ah, oh, I can't do this anymore. So, you know, that honestly doesn't concern me as much as uh, other things maybe do. Uh, he's, he's mono, he's monogamous. Um, could I convince him to have a threesome? Probably. Could I see him in another relationship <laughs> with someone? Probably not. Um, so I would be his only lover. Are you guys together then? I wouldn't say, uh, we haven't really defined everything. Okay. Um, okay. Cause what I was going to say is you guys don't really see each other, right? No, no. And so then, yeah, I'll probably if he's see him after everything's done. Like I will go out there after everything's done when it's safe. Everything or what? he'll come here. Uh, COVID when, oh, when okay, okay. you know we can't stay at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'll go see him. And you guys still have not had sex. No. Is that are you pleasure delaying or is it just not the right time? It wasn't the right time. I mean distance, but it wasn't the right time. Okay. So, not pleasure You're delaying. Smiling. If for anybody <laughs> who's listening to this and can't see, you are smiling so big right now <laughs> when I mention that. Tell can't me. Wait. So it is something that you have. Do you guys talk about it? I feel like. Oh yeah. We flirt a lot. We talk about it. Yeah. I feel like that would be fun. Honestly, like having not had sex for that long and talking about it. 
do you remember when you were young yeah do you remember when you were young like the tension yes and you don't have that in marriages no no i can have you whenever i want or whenever i don't want yeah and you know like so that tension is it's it's addictive like there it's it's awesome and that tension has been there since the I won't, not the date. Well, yeah, pretty much since the day we met, like there has, it just has always hung in the air with us. When I saw him in September, I only saw him for like six hours, five or six uh-huh. hours. Uh-huh. Um, and we know we want each other. Uh-huh. We know we want more. So where it goes from here is where it goes from here. I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about his bipolar. As long as we have open communication, as long as we are constantly assessing where the other person is and just open, like, what an opportunity, how many marriages would be saved and be improved if they just fucking talk to each other, like just be honest with yourself first and then be honest with your spouse. Like whatever it is, you don't have to be poly to be honest. You don't have to be poly to communicate, Right. just communicate. Like my poor daughter, I have a 22 year old daughter Mm -hmm. and I like over communicate with her. Like, and I know sometimes I annoy the crud out of her. But I'm like, you are where you are and our relationship is where it is because of that constant communication. And the same with my husband. I have great friendships because of communication. It's just, it's so vital. And when you pent up and you hide and you're afraid of who you are and you're afraid to show that person to other people, you suffer and your relationships suffer. And it's just, it's nice to be free and it's nice to say, I want these things or I don't like these things or mm. I want you or I don't want, you know, you in this way. And just like going back to orgasms, women do not know how to tell men and I have struggled with this, what yeah. they like and what they don't yeah, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am lucky that I have a lover who is very intentional with me and very intentional with my body and listens to me and explores and helps me to understand what I like better, what I don't like, and is just present with me. Um, but I agree, dude, it gets, it gets better, right? Like, I think it's, it's really uncomfortable when you first start doing it, trying to like, how can I start saying what these are people go years, their entire relationships, and they never say this one little thing that they would have liked for their partner to do. Right. They're so (laughs) scared. And it would (laughs) change the game. But the funny thing they don't realize is that I started doing that. And when you start doing it, it doesn't mean that you're going to start like, uh, you know, dressing like a nurse and a doctor and doing like, like you don't have to become the freakiest, weirdest people on the planet. Just start talking and you become comfortable like that because you're already comfortable with this person. You share everything with this person. You start saying that it's not as difficult as you think. And next thing you know, you guys have a totally different energy, right? It changes everything. It's beautiful. And it changes everything outside of just the sexual relationship too, because you can be closer there because then you can start saying what your emotional needs are and, you know, just be honest with you. It's beautiful. It's it beautiful. Is. It is. And it's I, a lot more fun. Oh yeah. And I still struggle at times. Like he will yeah. have to pull things out of me, but yeah. I know that I have a safe place with him. I have a safe place with him. I can say what I need to say. I can say what I want and I'm loved. So right now, do you guys have a girlfriend? No. A person of interest? No, no, no person of interest. Is that something that you actively pursue or is it like, if it comes up, um, like, how does that work? How does dating work as a married couple? If it comes up, I, I, I really understand like the whole unicorn hunting thing. Um, Mm -hmm. if I were to go, yeah. So you say it in a negative way. You don't like it. 
No, because I really think that there's so many people that are predatory that uh. come into the poly community uh. and think that, oh, well, I'm going to get my wife. They're predatory on their wife. They're predatory on the girlfriend. It's just and about I don't want to put it all on the men. It's, yes. no, it is. It is. It's the I guy. I can totally see it. It's the guy. Being yeah. Together, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to get her something she wants to. And it just, it's gross. It's so gross. Um, but I'm not against triads. I'm not. And I believe that they can be beautiful when they work. Do I want another one? If it happens, fantastic. But it would be, it'd have to be like completely equality this time and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not we've learned we've grown, you know? Um, and if it's something where he has a girlfriend and I'm not involved, uh, it it would be called a, like she would be my metamor. Um, I'm fine with that too. I'm learning so much. Yeah. And if it, what I love about, there's a whole like thing in the poly community called kitchen table polyamory. Mm-hmm. And it's where, you know, everybody kind of lives in the same house and they all are friends at the kitchen table. We eat together, we dine together, we live together. But yet you have these different relationships within the dynamics of those people. I love that idea. Bring all these people that I love into my home and I just want to be there with them. So let me ask you this. If you have you, another woman, your husband, okay, and you guys have this relationship, this is hypothetical, and you guys have your sexual relations together as a group, right, all three of you, and then you have yours one-on-one with your husband, she has hers one-on-one with your husband, correct, okay, Mm -hmm. and you two possibly also have your own one-on-one sexual relationship, is that a possibility? Mm -hmm. Okay. If this were to happen where... Uh, maybe not even drastically, but let's say that they had sex more often than you and your husband in the one-on-one sexual relationship. Is there a point where you feel like that could become a problem? Or if it was you and your husband having sex more and leaving and, and their relationship with, do you feel like at some point that would become a, a point of jealousy? It could be, but I think it would be more, again, back to communication. Like, uh-huh. what do I need? I need to speak up for what I need. Mm-hmm. Or she needs to speak up for what she needs or him even like, what if her and I are the ones that are always at each other right. and he's getting left out, you know, right. like, I don't think he but would let that left, happen. <laughs> but not, not left out, not left out. Let me rephrase it. So let's say, and this is, I hate to make this math because it's so stupid, but let's say you guys typically have sex three times a week. All right. Mm-hmm. And another woman comes into your life and now you guys are still having sex three times a week, but he's having sex with her eight times a week. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's a champion. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, at, at least I should have used like one in three or something. You're like describing his dream situation. So. Yeah, really. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's got libido. So so then yeah. so so I, you know you get the point I'm trying to make. If your guys' sexual relationship didn't change, but theirs just like doubled what you guys were doing, would the, would that bother you, or would you just say, oh, good for them, or because it's not about what you not aren't getting for yourself. It would be only about you're jealous that they're having sex so much. Um possibly. I mean, jealousy would probably come up at some point. So you would just, again, communication. I can't not go back to that. You know, it's, it's relationships and hyperdrive. Like you have to talk about everything. You have to talk about all the scenarios and you know, what it is you want, what it is you don't want and what it is you expect and what it is you can't handle. And if there's something that, you know, if, if them spending all of their time sexually together is affecting me, I have to tell them and, or I need in more often with you guys, just connection. The reason why I ask is because in all these groups that I've looked in and the comments and stories that I've read, jealousy is a word that comes up a lot. 
right? A lot. It comes up a lot. And the thing is this, is that it's not math. It's not binary. You can't go into a house and say, okay, we're going to have sex two, two, and two, 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 and two. I'm going to mark it. Right. Like, it's not possible. It, things just don't work that way. And it's natural, actually, that you're going to lean more towards one person than the other. You're, if you're right. being honest with yourself, you actually do enjoy having sex more with one person than the other. You do enjoy spending time with more one person more than the other. Things can't be binary completely even. I just don't think that's real. Right. So if you notice that there was a there was a facet of the relationship where it was easier and that wasn't you cuz this I'm asking it because not to be a jackass I'm asking it because it's a real potential scenario that could occur in the future for you and your husband if somebody else joins your household right. and and you aren't the one that he leans to more maybe because they're new and that's exciting and fun or maybe because they just have some kind of chemistry and you're it's to some extent, if that would bother you, and even if communication doesn't fix it, then you are taking on a risk. Do you agree or no? And you don't have to agree, but so new relationship energy is real. Mm-hmm. So when say someone else came in, say I'm not even in a sexual relationship with that person. I think that sure. might be the harder one. Sure. Um, if I was in a sexual relationship with them and her and I, and then him and her, and mm-hmm. they were doing it more often than I was doing it with them, I would probably be fine. Mm-hmm. But if it was him and somebody else and mm-hmm. they were closer and having sex more often or more uh, emotionally intimate more often, then I would probably start having some feelings of jealousy or being left out. Mm-hmm. And it all, again, comes back to, one, they have new relationship energy going on. Mm-hmm. And that's intoxicating. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to communicate. I, I sure. hate to keep coming back to that well, right. answer, but it really is. like, And not getting all caught up in my ego because their relationship is Mm -hmm. not my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. That's their relationship. Mm -hmm. And if they're hitting it off and doing things that maybe I'm not into or just not into at the moment in Mm -hmm. this cycle of my life, Mm -hmm. that's fantastic because he's getting pleasure. But I know my husband will always gravitate back towards me and love me. And I will not doubt his love for me, Mm -hmm. even if he's spending time with another person a lot of it, you know, a a good chunk of his time away from me or with this other person or having sex. I have his heart. I know his heart belongs to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that in a possessive way, I just know his heart for me. And I believe that that heart can also go and extend towards another person, just like him and scale at, you know, like my heart doesn't differentiate between the two of them right now. My experience does, but my heart doesn't. Absolutely. And I almost feel like you're getting maybe the best of both worlds to have that puppy dog love from Asgillai and that, mm-hmm. and that kind of, you know, new relationship, sexual tension, haven't even had sex yet. You get all that excitement. Right. And then you have the stability and the long-term love of your husband. It's almost right. better. It, it almost might be better if you keep that thing long distance, because then you can keep that exciting. If, <laughs> no, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay. So do you think and I just, this is, and I do this as a, as a favor. Again, I'm not trying to poke holes because some people try to poke holes. What I try to do is somebody tells me a story. I can do you the favor of being from the outside looking in right. and I can show you what I see, right? A little and, bit of devil's advocate there. 
Yeah, no, because devil's advocate no. is like, I'm trying to be negative. No, what I'm trying to do is just reflect back and mm-hmm. show you your blind spots. That's all. Mm-hmm. And let's think it out. But I'm not, a devil's advocate keeps trying to push that point, negative point. Right. Like, no, no, I make you fight it. I'm not trying to do that. I'm saying, oh, do you see this? Oh, you do? Okay, good. Do you see that? That's it. And I need people that I trust to do the same thing for me because you so can't important. see everything. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So I just, this is love what I'm doing. So what I'm saying is this, think about, Think about your guys' relationship and within this kind of this framework of the, the, the polyamorous lifestyle. Now, you've been, you had one relationship where there was a girl who was, you said about 10 years younger than you guys, or she was just younger. I don't, I don't think you put a number on She it. was 15 years younger than us. 15 years younger than you. Okay. 15, yeah. So, so, so the dynamic there is, is different because when she comes in, you guys are already established. She's the new, the new kid on the block. Um, and also you're 15 years her senior. So you're more mature, more emotionally developed. So you guys are naturally here and she's there. And even though you're connecting with her and you're loving her still, you guys are on a different level, just instinctively naturally, all these different reasons why you guys are in a totally different place. You know what I mean? Um, and then you've got two is a long distance relationship. And so that hasn't necessarily been like you all in one room and bonding right. and gelling together. And so what I'm saying is I wonder, I, I, now this is the reason I'm thinking about it this way. I have, uh, uh, both of my daughters are with one woman and I love her to death. And our relationship was a certain way for about four and a half, five years. And I thought we were great. And then we had our first daughter together and all of a sudden there was something totally different demanded of our relationship. Now, instead of her being fun, needing her to be fun and all this and cute and pretty and all this. Now what I needed was for her to be responsible and be maternal and be all these other things. And I realized when the relationship was tested from a different way, when I turned it to a different angle, all of a sudden it wasn't the same thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. just enough that you're fun and that we have a good time together and sex and all this other stuff. Now it was like, no, I need you to be the mother to my kids. And all this stuff was, well, I need you. Do you know how to pay a bill? You don't know how to pay. Like all these things weren't working. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And then right after that, we had two kids back to back and then split up like six months after our second mm-hmm. daughter was born. So the reason why I'm telling you that is because what I've learned from that is that you might think you have something that's super solid. If it hasn't been tested from this other angle, you don't know yet. You got to keep turning it and turning it and turning it. And so what I'm saying is not you and your husband, but this lifestyle and you and your husband hasn't necessarily been tested yet with a woman coming into your home who's actually on your level. And I don't mean right. to use the word compete, but for lack of a better word, actually be a competitor for his attention and respect in the same way that you are because she's mature and intelligent and knows herself and all these other things, which somebody that's 15 years younger than you, she's not going to get his respect right. that way. So I wonder, and do you wonder what might happen in that scenario? Oh, um, I, I do wonder about that, but honestly, it excites me. How do I say this? Cause I have thought about it a lot. Good point or no. Um, say that one more time. I said good point or no. I think it is a good point, but what I will say within my relationship with him is that we have gone through so many iterations of who we are and who we are not and mm-hmm. having to grow and change. Mm-hmm. I don't see adding someone, even if she's more mature or maybe less mature than us, I don't see that as a problem because we are both naturally 
um, inclined to growth and to emotional intelligence. And mm-hmm. so I think for us, that would be very easy to acclimate ourselves to a new person and to have that dynamic change. Um, you guys do seem another, very pliable. It seems like every are. challenge that's come along, you guys have oh. recognized it, identified it, <laughs> adapted, and moved on. So right. no, I wouldn't take that from most people, but I actually, yeah. I, I think I could agree with you on it's, that. Yeah. Our, our life is a, is a beautiful story of what the fuck just happened? <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so adding someone else in, I would welcome it, um, just companionship, the, the whatever, you know, whatever capacity, yeah. um, whether it's just his lover or whether it's our lover or lovers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, another man, it's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I never expected to fall in love with another man. Um, adding skill to the mix later on. And we both have talked about that. If, if he would come out here, you know, or we would, he would be where we are. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think it would be difficult either because of the more pliability and uh-huh. his desire just to love me and to accept this whole situation. He is uh-huh. known from day one right. that I'm married. He's known right. that I'm polyamorous. Um, he watched me go through the relationship with the, the ex us go through the relationship with the ex-girlfriend. And, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just, I don't see us as being those people. A mm-hmm. different poly couple might struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I just see it as another growth factor for us. Like, okay, let's tackle this now and let's see how she fits in and how, what we have to adjust to help her be a whole part of us. Right. To make it come back to just being one, whatever those, whatever that makeup is to, for you guys to be a unit. I'm so glad that you were my first in-depth <laughs> conversation with somebody of this lifestyle. Aww. I really mean it because you're so intelligent and so well-spoken and your ideas make so much sense. I'm so glad that the first person I ran into wasn't somebody who was basically just like a glorified swinger or, yeah. you know, like the, like the, what did you call them? Unicorn hunter. I'm, yeah. Unicorn I'm, hunter. I, you know, and I want to talk to them too. I want to hear what everybody has to say. I want to understand what's in everybody's mind but I'm so glad that you were my first conversation because you really helped to kind of set that first impression and what that real, what that idea really should be the right way. I really feel like the way you explain it and the way you look at it is the way that it makes the most sense. You know what I mean? So um, one more question I had for you really quick was when you say poly, uh, I think a lot of us from the outside looking in take that as three. We pretty much always think that it's three. And I'm asking myself now, does that, does it mean three? Is there any kind of cap on it? Could you see yourself at some point with five, six people living in your house? I My saw God, that look. I saw that look. I saw that look. <laughs> okay. But, but, but you I, see what I'm saying? If it happened naturally, right. if it happened gradually, oh, one year somebody shows up, two years later, 10 years later, there's six people living in your house and you're all happy. Could that happen? Is that a possibility? I, I probably am that person. Um, right. It sounds exhausting though, uh, yeah. because I do love big and I'm all in. I mean, like obviously with me, I'm all in them or I'm all in whoever my kids, I'm all in. I'm right. not, um, I'm all in. And, and so that can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh my God. Yeah, that would be exhausting. Um, and then I, I fully expect like just my personality, other women, other men are not like this. My personality is if anyone has a girlfriend that is not my girlfriend, I will love her too. I don't need to have a sexual relationship with her, but I know I will love her and I will love her fully. Hmm. And 
I will maintain my boundaries with her is what she needs, but I, you're here, you're part of my life, you're part of my family, you're in, you know? So that sounds beautiful to me, but also exhausting. I always say that um, apart from them or missing a lot and maybe a girlfriend, I really don't want a whole lot more because I feel like I don't want to be spread thin. I have goals right. apart from people. Like I, a business owner, I, <laughs> I have desires financially. I have my kids, you know, right. my autistic son takes up a lot of time. I homeschool. Sure. It's, you know, it's life is exhausting and I sure. love is beautiful, but I don't need to spread myself too thin. And I want to be able to give all I can to those that I love. So that's a beautiful answer. That makes no. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At some point, you know, you can't, you can't give all, if you've got six people living no. in your house, you're consumed. And now everybody starts getting a little bit less and less of you, your business, gets right. less, your kids get less. I get that. Right. But I can imagine it, for some households, like I have a friend who's been poly forever and he and his wife, uh, he dates like seven or eight people at a time. And like he dates them. He's really invested in these women. And she has a, wow. another man in her life. that's like a, another husband as well. And she dates a couple of people, but to me, his life with his girlfriends, I'm like, that is exhausting, James. I could not do that. Like that is so exhausting. Um, I, but I have no problem with it. You know, if that's what my husband wanted to do, I'd be totally fine. Totally fine. I think this is the last question I'll ask you. You've been really gracious with your time. This, I think about, uh, us humans as animals, we're intelligent, but I think of us as, as animals to some extent. I think we have an instinctual element to us. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of things that we do that are directly connected to <clears throat> whether it's survival, fear of death, uh, mating. I think there are, I think those things are all happening inside of us as well, right? We're sophisticated and all this other stuff, but I do think at the end of the day, we have instincts. We know when there's danger. We know when we're hungry. We know we have to protect our kids. We, all these things I think we know. Um, I, so I ask you this question. Uh, do you, first of all, do you, do you agree with that or no? Yeah. Okay. You do. Yeah. Do you think that humans are, do you think that humans are not meant to be monogamous? Do you think that's something that we've forced onto ourselves? Yes. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I think that we have a bigger capacity to, and I don't even think it's about sex. And I think that's where people fail in viewing monogamy. Uh-huh. Um, it's not about sex and it, it, relationships when you have a really good relationship can be about your ego either. It's Uh not about you. It's about loving somebody else and doing what you can to show them they're loved and, you know, being, having the capacity to love big or love a lot. I I think that most of us have the capacity to love more than one person and that if they were to explore that, I think there would be many more, much more happier relationships and Mm -hmm. a lot more polyamorous relationships. Mm -hmm. But the concept of humans as a whole being monogamous, I don't believe we are. Mm. Um, I, I really don't, I don't believe that. So for me as a demisexual, my husband was blown away by this. When I said this, I don't look at someone and see them as sexually attractive or I want to have sex with them. Like Mm -hmm. maybe you see a beautiful woman or man, I don't know, walking down the street Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, I want some of that. Right. I don't do that. Like even Jason Momoa, like, I think he's fucking fine as shit. And I have for years, um, even before, you know, this current fame, but, um, uh-huh. my God, that man, yeah. but I still would never have sex with him 
outside of a connection. Like if sure. I don't see a gorgeous man walk down or a woman walk down the street instantly think I want to have sex with them. Uh, I, or think of them in a sexual way. I think of them in, Oh, I would love to connect with them or, uh, you know, or uh, I have an experience in the grocery store with someone and I'm like, Oh my gosh, their soul, you know, they were right. just beautiful person to, to be around. I want to be around right. that more. Right. Um, so what you're saying is that what you're saying is that there doesn't make any sense to be limiting your love. You naturally no. love many people. Right. And then for right. him, or he can look at people and think, oh, I want to have sex with her. And mm-hmm. then, you know, four people later, oh, her too. You know, mm-hmm. I think that most people are more like him and that monogamy is. Do you think that's because of- he's a man or do you think that's just people? maybe a little bit of both, but I know women like that. My sister was like that. She mm-hmm. could look at someone and, you know, male or female and be like, Oh, I want to, I want to be with them. Yeah. Okay. Um, insofar as monogamy and like, you know, procreating things like that. I, I don't think that we were intended to be this way. I think that it was something that was placed on us. Like if you want to go back to the Bible, mm-hmm. monogamy was not in there. It was, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's all parables, but Monogamy was not anywhere in the Old Testament. It was not about one woman, one man, or it was always about one man and a bunch of women or ownership. That's really the basis of monogamy is ownership of women. Mm. Um, but I don't think that men specifically are monogamous or meant intended to be. And I don't think that women need to be either or are. Mm. Um, if they really were to delve into what they want, what they desire, doesn't mean everybody has to have, you know, bisexual relationships or pansexual or whatever. It just means being open to more than what you have been told is what's right, you know? Mm-hmm. And your polyamory doesn't have any direct connection to organized religion. It's, this is not a religious thing for you. No, I don't okay. have any connection with organized religion. You're done with that altogether. Oh, I think it's a, it saved my life at one point in time. So I'm, I'm ever thankful for that. But I, I think it's just one of the worst things that humanity's ever invented. Everybody that I talk to shares the same sentiment. For some yeah. people who need it, it saves them, right? Mm-hmm. Like if like I've seen people turn from drug dealers and killers right. to being preachers. And so for that, you know, hats off to it. But not every, it's not for everybody. Not everybody. Right. No. For a lot of people, it's about control. Mostly it's about right. control. But uh Well, again, ego, man, you know, we get involved in stuff and we just muck it all up. Yeah. So if we're doing it not for the benefit of others, but for our benefit or our own glory. For sure. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, okay. So this thing is not a religious thing for you at all. This is just how you feel. And, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, I think there's a lot to think about and a lot to Google. I don't know if you told me what a demisexual is, but I'm going to have to Google it. I don't know. I'll send you a good article. I'll message you a good article. I'll do it on uh, Instagram. Okay. Okay. So what is it? What is it, just real quick? What is a demisexual? It just, a demisexual is basically someone who doesn't have like those instantaneous sexual attractions to people when they're walking down the street or when oh, they okay. meet them. Okay. Demisexuals typically tend to need to have a connection with okay. someone before okay. they can have sex. And demisexual has a, a range. Like I would be a sexual demisexual because I enjoy sex. Wow. But then there's asexual demisexuals who, who, who don't have sex, but have that relation, romantic connection with people as well. Wow. That sounds um, really difficult. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For them. Let's get horny and not do it. No, well, thank no, you. They, well, an asexual person doesn't necessarily always have sexual feelings uh. for someone, but they have romantic feelings that doesn't carry cross over into a sexual manifestation of that. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. There's wow. there. I mean, the sexual spectrum is huge. Like huge. once you get into it and it, it's just, and gender is huge. It's broad. It's not just male and female. It's like, it's, it's, humans are beautiful. You you know? Know, like do you, everybody has the talk with their kids. Do you have these kinds of profound discussions with your children about sex and about relationships? Uh, yeah, <laughs> my poor kids. I won't, I didn't let my daughter grow up not knowing her body. I really encourage her to know her body, know what she wants, know what she doesn't want. Um, I grew up not, I didn't have sex until I was in my thirties. And my thing to her was go have fun, make some mistakes, be safe, like wow. do what you need to do. Um, and do don't that, hide do it. That was There's a good no decision shame. in hindsight. Now she's 22. Do you think that that helped? She or? has managed herself very well. Very yeah, well. I can imagine. My big thing that I'm with her now is like, don't mistake sex for intimacy, mm. so, which is easy when you're young. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And you learn yeah. that with time. Sometimes you just got to right. fall down and get back up, but that's right. That's such a good coach who understands all this stuff. Oh, yeah. dude, you are the epitome of communication and, okay. that, and it solves everything. I think issues that we have in marriages and relationships and race and politics and religion, all this stuff, all these uglies just hide in the dark shadows where communication doesn't live. Everything. Right. That's why earlier it was your answer to everything. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm with you. I preach communication all day. I think it's twofold. I think there's the other thing that's very important with communication is letting, putting your ego aside. And so with race and with politics and with all of these things, religion, everything, or even say having these sex talks with my daughter, I can't have these conversations with her and then expect her to have a sexual relationship the way that I expect her to do it. Right. I have to let her do this on her own. I have to let, you know, politics or religion, people that don't agree with me on things, I have to allow them what they think as much as say race relations, right? Right, Like as much as I hate how some people think, yeah, I'm very politically left. No, you, (laughs) (laughs) as much as I hate how these people think, I have to allow them their human experience. And I, we're never going to get anywhere if we don't experience things. And I have to allow them to go through that process. I grew up in a very backwards home, uh, very racist, very politically right, just gross, right? I had to have human experiences that Uh changed me and I had to be open to those experiences to change me, to put aside my ego and and realize that not everybody looks like me, not everybody talks like me, not everybody thinks like me and they need to be allowed that in order to grow. Right. Yeah, it's kind of twofold, right? It's communication, but then the open-mindedness. You can't communicate and say, okay, now that I've communicated to you, you do what I asked you to do. Right. It's communicate and then still with no expectations. Whatever you choose right. to be, whatever you cho- choose to think is fine. There's got to be that understanding, right? Right. Um, and acceptance. But that's so hard for so many people, I think. It really, and it was hard for me when I was like little Miss Ministry. You know, oh. I was very heavily involved in the church and my thing was, my way or the highway, you know, you had to believe in Jesus or you weren't saved and you were going to hell. Well, what the heck was that? Like that was just so limiting. That's what you were taught. It was. That's the thing is most of us grow up so one dimensional. Our parents tell us what's right and wrong. We trust them wholly and whatever they tell us, then that's what it is. And we don't question it. 
And right. some people never end up questioning it. They just, you know, this is what I was taught. This is how I was raised. Right. At some point, you're so proud that this is how I was raised. This is who I am. And once you put pride behind the one dimensional thinking, it's a wrap. Just wait till the next generation. Hopefully, right. <laughs> you know. I've got my fingers crossed for my kids. I'm like, come on, you guys got to change everything. So. Yeah, no, you've done a good job. Um, thank you so much for your time again. I uh, thank you so much for sharing and being so generous with your thinking and your feelings and your philosophies. I feel like I've grown more today uh, than I have in any other one hour in the le- in this entire year. I'm serious. I've had a lot of oh, these wow. discussions. No, but I mean, this has just been so profound for me because this is not what you expect. Look, I'm going right. to, I can't lie. Coming into this discussion, I expected something much different than what I got. And this was really? better. Oh, I mean, because I don't know and you don't know what you don't know, but that's what I do right. is I'll go ask and I'll ask and I'll think about it and I'll be open-minded to it and I won't put my expectations on it. But if you would have asked me, Hey, how do you think this is going to go? I would have thought this would have been something that sounded more like somebody describing a fetish. And that's not at all what this uh, was. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Yeah, because it has very little to do with sex for me and I everything just, to do with relationship. I haven't met I haven't met anybody, so I can't really base it on anything, but my exposure so far has been more fetish. Like I told you, I mean or or like, yeah, it's been more about, you know, sex and and, and it's sounded more like a fetish. This guy that I'm talking to tomorrow, he was in one of these groups and there was a guy that was like, Yeah, I used to live in Chicago. Uh, me and my wife are Polly. We were looking for people to hang out with, but now we live over here. And he was like, oh, I'm in Chicago. I wish I would have known you guys were out there. And he was like, oh, yeah, cool. And then he was like, yeah, me and my wife are always looking for poly couples so we could talk about poly and BDSM and blah, blah, blah. And like the way he the way he so closely connected that fetish to the poly thing. And the guy just dropped the conversation. He just stopped responding to him. And that's kind of, like that's kind of the perception, I think, for a lot of people is that this poly thing it's it goes hand in hand with i don't know just swinging and bdsm and ball gags and latex and all of that is all one thing but it's absolutely not you're sensible no. you're a normal human being normal whatever right <laughs> but but i just mean like you know anyway this is not a sexual fetish discussion this is a discussion about no love and it's a lot of people in the in the poly community are into bdsm i'm not opposed i just haven't explored yeah well i think a lot of people in the poly community might be more open to kink um and be more open to experience and you don't know if you like something or not until you investigate and experience it so maybe there are some ties that i'm not even aware of i right 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 I'm not opposed to BDSM. I'm not opposed to uh, doing it. I would never want him to be a dominant to me for whatever reason. He's already my alpha. Uh-huh. You know, he's, he's already like that in my life. I would never want it to be him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut it off for something else. But that's just because I'm open. Right. That's not because I am, you know, looking for that for sexual pleasure at this point in time. Maybe right. it will be pleasurable. Maybe it won't. Right. Um, I wonder why that connection, though. Because this is just about love. I and really think it's just about, about a, yeah. Go ahead. I think it's just about people being willing to explore their sexual mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. Because if I wasn't willing to explore my sexual identity, I wouldn't know that I was poly. I wouldn't have even admitted that I was bisexual, let alone right. pansexual. Like, oh wait, you mean I can have a relationship with someone who's transgender? And Girl, I don't you care. are pansexual, demisexual. <laughs> you are every kind of sexual. I just know who I am, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm except for you. except for a swinger, my poor husband. He would love it if I would go to a swingers club with him. I'm like, oh, I don't think I could do that. Um, do you drink at all? I drink on occasion, but I'm not a big drinker. 
you couldn't imagine yourself like just for the heck of it, like throw all the ideas and rules out of the window. Just one night, just have a couple of drinks and go to like a swinger party and just do it just for fun. Like you go to Magic Mountain or something like you so, shit for fun. Would you if have- I was at the swinger party and I was drinking and I had a good connection with somebody. Yeah, I could. For sure. If I didn't have a connection, somebody could not sure. come up to me and just touch me in a sexual way. I would freak the fuck out. Got it. That's just who I am. Like, big, you know, yeah. hands off, you know, yeah. like yeah. this is my body, not yours. Right. Um, so I won't say that I would be opposed, but it probably wouldn't even need to involve a lot of drinking. Um, I'm a very lightweight when it comes to drinking. Um, yeah, you know, quarter margarita in and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm a woo woo girl. So I, the same thing for other experiences. Like, if I was to go into like a dungeon BDS BDSM room mm-hmm. in that same scenario, and I felt safe, I would totally be down with experiencing some stuff. Right. Whether I liked it or not after, I don't know, but right. I would experience it. So maybe because not, I'm open to that. Right, right. You're open to try anything. Right. You're oh, trisexual. Trisexual. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I was going to ask you, how did you get into this with the web chats and the podcast and everything? Cause I, I saw your Instagram, but I was like, where did yeah. this guy come from? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Right. Well, you know, look, I'll be honest. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, there's only two things that I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to make commercials and I wanted, I don't know where it came from, but I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to be like a therapist when I was young. And I always thought about that. But then, you know, I hated school. I dropped out of high school in 11th grade. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to do all that stuff. And I knew that going to be, you know, to be like a practicing uh, therapist, I would need to go to school six years, eight years. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I don't wear suits. I wasn't going to wear a suit. All that just was a turnoff for me. So I put it to the side and I went more after the other thing that I like, which is advertising, marketing, sales, and and so that's really what I mm-hmm. kind of built my career on is that. And now here I find myself still having, and but all the time I've been there for my friends, for anybody who comes around, everybody comes to me for advice for years. That's the way it is. Right. And I've had yeah. some, what, what, what? Same here. That is like trajectory, quitting high school, wanting yeah. to be a psychologist, not wanting that much school. Yeah. Friends are all come to me for the therapy <laughs> and you and you do a good job at it oh, yeah. they come to you and yeah. you're able to figure it out you know yourself well I totally yeah. see that in you and so yeah all I'm saying is here we are 2020 I don't need to be a clinical psychologist no. I don't need to be a you know licensed therapist I can just start a podcast and start finding people on the internet and go hey let's talk and that's it and if people can listen to what we're doing and if they can learn and grow and benefit from it then I'm getting the job done and so here we are exactly that's it I love it I yeah. love it that's it so anyway, thank you so much for contributing You're welcome, Rain. because this is my life's work here. So thank you for that. Thank you for <laughs> asking me that. And uh, we'll definitely send you the link when this is up so you can check it out and share it. And okay. I'd love to hear what Nimor thinks about it. If he listens okay. to it too. He uh, will. Tell him I said hello. And, okay. uh, and thank you again. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Rain. Have a good afternoon. You too. Bye. Bye. You know, I'll be honest. It kind of makes you think. You know, we have all these ways that we think we're supposed to be. We're supposed to date the certain person. We're supposed to act a certain way. We're supposed to date for a while and then our parents start putting pressure on us that why aren't you married yet? And then we get married and we, you know, what does society tell us the next thing is that we're supposed to do? And whether you're polyamorous or not, whether you agree with what Carrie said and how she and her husband and boyfriend are living, if you think that they're crazy, if you think they're just weird freaks, uh, if you agree with them, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. 
What I agree with more than anything else is that Carrie is thinking freely and she is not bound by what society tells us that we are supposed to do and how we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to think. That I agree with wholeheartedly regardless of the particulars of what she chooses or her family chooses to do with their lives. I believe that society dictates what we're supposed to do more than we even realize. Even us who think we are free thinkers, if we really comb through our lives and our habits and our lifestyle with a fine-tooth comb, you'll notice that you're still doing things the way society has taught you to do them. Maybe it's the way you dress. Maybe it's the people you're friends with. Maybe it's the type of work you're doing. Maybe it's within your relationship or the way that you're raising your children or what your plans are. Think about these things. Are these things that you were taught? Are these learned behaviors? Are your goals really even your goals and your dreams? Are your aspirations and feelings really real? Or are they something that you learned along the way? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with learned behaviors, but you should at least be conscious of them and understand that you're doing something, thinking something, because you enjoy being a part of the culture in that way. But sometimes if you think about it, you may realize you don't even know why you're doing something that you're doing or why you feel the way that you feel about certain people or certain ways of life other than this is what you've been told. So for that... There's a lot of value in thinking about what Carrie is doing and how she's living and then thinking about yourself. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Web Chats. Hey guys, it's Rain again. Before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with somebody else who might enjoy it. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications. If you want to leave us a five-star rating and a review, we appreciate that so much. It really does help out more than you know. And some of you already know this, some of you don't, but my sister and I produced this show together. And we have a big, big dream to one day have enough supporters behind the show where we could afford to quit our jobs and do nothing but web chats. We can make more episodes, make more content, help more people, and have more fun doing it. And so the way that we're able to do that is through you. We have a Patreon page set up. It's patreon.com slash webchatspodcast. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash webchatspodcast. You can go there. We have three different tiers. You sign up. The lowest one is just $2.99 a month. And that will really help us reach our dream of being able to do this show as a career and make more great episodes for you guys to enjoy. So if you can offer some support there, that means the world to us. But listen. I really mean it. If you never gave us a penny, it does not matter. The fact that you're here means the world to us and we appreciate you. So thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.